You know, we've been talking about the cross, and we're going to continue that series as we march toward Easter. We're going to be uh, focusing on the cross. You know, why is the cross central? What did God accomplish through the cross? Why was the cross necessary? And this morning, we're going to talk about the cross and forgiveness. Now, many of you know that forgiveness is essential to any growing relationship. And so I'm wondering, have you ever forgiven anyone? If you haven't, odds are you don't have any friends, you know, <laughs> because everybody has to forgive somebody sometime, right? You, you are wrong. People wrong you. You do things that you shouldn't do. You make bad choices and oftentimes it's against other people. And if you don't, it, you know, if you're not, you don't receive or extend forgiveness, if you've been wronged, if you haven't extended forgiveness, then it's going to be hard to see that relationship flourish. For example, if I do something wrong against my wife, Celia, uh, it's going to be hard for our relationship to continue to grow unless, one, Celia is willing to forgive me, and two, I'm willing to admit my wrong, right, and accept her forgiveness. And once that happens, we're in a position where we can grow together. And so forgiveness is essential to all relationships. But have you noticed that when I forgive or when you forgive other people that, you know, for example, if if Celia wrongs me and I forgive her, you know, no one had to die to make that possible. Right. I mean, when you forgive a friend, no one has to die in order for you to do that. And so sometimes people ask the question, why can't God forgive like we forgive? Why, does, why can't God just forgive you of your sin instead of having to uh, have, have the cross involved, you know, the death of Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die in order for God to grant forgiveness? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to show you there's a, there's a correlation, a connection, uh, inseparable connection between the cross and forgiveness. And the first point I want to make here, though, is that Uh, God could not forgive you any other way than through the cross. And so I want to make that argument from Scripture that this was the only way. There was no other way. And then I want to explain, or at least try to, uh, I want to explain the connection between the cross and forgiveness. And so when we look at the cross, we see that this is the way God extends His forgiveness through us. The cross of Jesus, the death of Jesus Christ And I would argue that that is the only possible way for God to grant forgiveness. And I want us to look at a a verse this morning in 2 Peter 2.4. Because I want to set something up for you, and that is this. God did not have to forgive anybody. Okay? God would be perfectly just in uh, leaving all of us in our sin and not extending forgiveness to us. He did not have to do that in order to... Uh, maintain integrity of who He is. You know, the justice, the holiness, the purity of God. He didn't have to extend forgiveness. And we know from the Scripture that God has not extended forgiveness to every person or every thing that has sinned against Him. Right? 2 Peter 2.4 says this, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So this verse tells us that God did not extend forgiveness to the angels that had, that were, that had sinned against Him. 
Okay? There were, there were angels that, that fell, that sinned against God, and He did not offer forgiveness. He did not extend forgiveness to them. And God was completely just in doing so. He didn't compromise His nature at all by giving them what they deserve. And He would not have compromised His nature in giving us what we deserve. But, in His love, He chose, because He wanted to, to extend forgiveness to us in His love. And once that choice was made, the only way to make it happen was through the cross. And I want to show you a couple of scriptures that point to that. First one is in Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus is on His way to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He's praying to God the Father. And this is what He says in verse 39 of Matthew 26. He says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as You will. Now this cup represents the suffering and the death of Christ. It it represents uh, the wrath of God that Jesus was going to take that on for us. Okay? And Jesus says, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Well, as we know, uh, Jesus drank that cup. He went to the cross. You know, there was no other possible way for God to deal with sin than through Jesus. There was no other way God could extend that forgiveness to us than through the cross of Christ. There's another passage in Luke 24, 25 and 26 Uh, After His resurrection, Jesus appears to a few people on the road to Emmaus. And this is what He says. And He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? You know, so the people were kind of perplexed, you know, seeing Jesus die. And Jesus responds to them after His resurrection. He says, it was necessary that this happened. These sufferings were necessary in the redemptive plan of God. It it had to happen. This was the only way God could extend forgiveness to sinful mankind. And so we see from the Scripture that there, there is no other way, there was no other way for God's forgiveness to be extended to us than through the death of Christ, through the cross. Now, with that said, how does the death of Christ Connect to our forgiveness. Well, to to better understand the death of Christ and to see the necessity of it, there's a few other things we need to realize. One is we need to realize the gravity of sin. Now, when I say sin, uh, what do you think of? You probably think of, uh, you know, lying or murder or committing adultery or you you probably have some list of rules and you're thinking about well when I break those rules that's sin or you may even be thinking about when I fail to do what I ought to do that's sin okay so you have a list of things this standard and you see either I'm, I'm not doing what I ought to do or I'm doing what I should not do and that's sin and in a sense, you're right. That, that's true. But we, we grossly misunderestimate sin when we just bowl it down to rules that we break or we don't keep, you know, and that kind of thing. Because the law of God 
These rules, so to speak, are not just arbitrary uh, ideas that God put in society and said, you know what, let's try not lying. That'd be a good one. Don't lie. That sounds pretty good. Or, you know, don't commit adultery. That, I think that'll work okay. These aren't arbitrary. These rules are, as one scholar said, the rules of God, the law of God, it is the transcript of God's nature. It's who He is. He tells you not to lie because He does not lie. He tells you not to commit adultery because He is always faithful, you see. And so His law, His rules are put in place to show you, I I want you to imitate me, God says. And this is how you do it. I want you to be like I am. So it's not just some arbitrary set of rules out there that God said, this will probably work out pretty good. No, this is who God is. And so when you break the rule, okay, when you break the rule, you're not just breaking a rule, but you are wronging a person. Okay? You're going against the person of God. It's not just about not doing something or doing something you should not do, but it's about how is this... uh, received by God? Am I obeying God or am I disobeying God? And when we sin, we are wronging a personal God. And let me just illustrate it this way. You know, sin, we fa- and I failed to, to realize the gravity of sin, even though in our world we see the, the weight of sin and evil at times. We, we get a, a, a good glimpse of the, the gravity of it all. But sometimes we fail to realize the gravity of our own sin. And let me just illustrate it this way. Let's say you're walking through the woods. And you see a a little tree beginning to grow up, you know, from from the ground. And you go over there and you just break it in half. Well, that wasn't very nice. Yeah, you really were not caring for creation when you did that. That was not a good thing to do. Uh, Just rain, you know, just breaking a branch. Well, let's say you keep walking through the woods and you notice there's a bird nest in the tree with little birds in it. And so you pick up a rock and you throw it at the nest and knock it down and kill all the birds. Well, that wasn't nice. That was mean, right? That was wrong. You should not have done that. Well, let's say you keep going on your hike. You're walking through the woods and a hiker is walking by and you pick up a stick and hit him in the face with it. Well, that wasn't good either. (laughs) You're a mean person. <laughs> you are a very mean person. But I think we would all agree, you know, hitting the guy in the face with a stick is more weighty than breaking the branch. Right? And we can even go on further and talk about what people do to other people and how evil it is and, and the consequences that, that are you know, put in as a result of these types of evil. And now you can imagine, okay, if, if it's a greater, weightier act to hit somebody in the face with a stick than it is to break a branch, how much more weight does it carry when I sin against a perfect and holy and perfectly good God? You see, it's hard for us to comprehend, even though we can understand that sin is very weighty. When people do things wrong to one another, there's a consequence involved. There's a debt that needs to be paid. I mean, there's... A, there's uh, a weightiness to it. But it's hard for us to even comprehend 
how much more weighty it is against God. Someone who is perfect, never sinned, there's no evil. And the more that we see the gravity of sin, the more in focus the cross becomes. The more necessary we see uh, the cross becoming. And so we see the gravity of sin and we see how God responds to sin in in the Bible. For example, um, in, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says this, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. I mean, that's pretty, pretty harsh, isn't it? I mean, that's a huge, I mean, what, what's the worst consequence than that? In other words, sin is very serious. God takes it seriously. And in John, and the, 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 uh, the Apostle John in 1 John 1 says, you know, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. In other words, God is perfectly good. He's holy. And He cannot be in a relationship with someone who is not like Him. In other words, someone who is in sin and in rebellion against Himself. He can't be in a relationship with that person. In Him is light. There is no darkness at all. So sin causes separation. And without forgiveness, there's no, there's no way for us to enter a relationship with God. So we must realize the gravity of sin. And the second thing we need to realize is that Forgiveness is costly. You know, no one simply just forgives someone. Right? Let me just give you one example. Let's say uh, you drove by my house and you threw a rock through the living room window. Well, when when you did that wrong action, you've accumulated a debt. At the very least, you've accumulated a debt equal to the repair of the window. Right? But there's also another debt that is accumulated. And you all know this if you've ever forgiven someone. When someone breaks your window, there's the kind of the material cost involved. But there's also this internal cost that's involved that, you know, this internally that's saying, like, I, there's a couple ways I can respond to you breaking the window. One is I can follow you to your house. I can follow you to your house and break your window. That's what I want to do naturally, right? That's, I want to retaliate. I want to break your windows. But another way I can respond is by forgiving you. And what that may look like is I pay for my window to be fixed and I extend forgiveness to you. In other words, I have absorbed the cost not only of fixing the window, but I've also absorbed the, the cost of not retaliating. Because there's a, there's a debt that was there that you accumulated when you broke that window of mine. And yet I'm not causing you to repay it. I'm paying it. And then I'm extending you forgiveness. And we've all experienced this to some degree or another. If you've ever forgiven anyone. You know forgiveness always has a cost. It always has a cost. When I rob you of your happiness, of your joy, of your health, whatever it may be. There's a debt that is accumulated that you must absorb if you're going to extend forgiveness. You can either try to retaliate and make them pay for it, or you can absorb it and offer forgiveness. You know, forgiveness has two hands to it. It has, on the one hand, this absorption of the pain and suffering that the the wrongdoing has caused. And then on the other hand, there's this extension of love and forgiveness and renewal that's offered to you. 
And so I'm willing to, to take on the debt myself, to absorb the pain, and extend to you my hand in, in love and renewal, saying, I'm willing to forgive you, and I'm willing to grow with you if you will receive it. And that's the second part of, or step, you might say, of forgiveness. One, I have to absorb it, I have to extend the arm to you, and then you have to receive it. So you have the gravity of sin, you have forgiveness is costly. One author said it this way, forgiveness means bearing the cost instead of making the wrongdoer do it so you can reach out in love to seek your enemy's renewal and change. And now finally, how does this relate to the cross? At the cross, God took on our sin. He absorbed the cost so that He could extend to us forgiveness and this hand of relationship and renewal. Okay, He absorbs the sin on the cross and He extends His hand of renewal to us. Now some may say, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but I've heard it said before that, you know, Christianity, you know, your God is like a... Um, Cosmic child abuser. You know, what father would put his son to death for somebody else? But what you need to realize about Christianity, and I would say the person who says that misunderstands Christianity. Because in Christianity, God did not put our sin on someone else. He put, him, put our sin on Himself. Because as Christians, we believe that the Father... The Son and the Spirit are God. We believe in one God that exists in three persons. Therefore, when Jesus died on the cross, God took on our sin upon Himself. See, God was the one who was wronged by our sin. And God is the only one who can absorb the pain of our sin and extend forgiveness to you and to me. One author said it this way, he said, why did Jesus have to die in order to forgive us? There was a debt to be paid, and God Himself paid it. There was a penalty to be borne, and God Himself bore it. Forgiveness is always a form of costly suffering. And there's, a, there's a verse in the book of Romans that I think speaks to this very clearly. And it's in Romans chapter 3, verse 26. Because in the, in the cross, what you see is God preserving both His holiness and His love in perfection. And this is what we read in Romans 3, 26. He's talking about in, through the death of Christ. It says, it was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what Paul is saying here, in, through the cross, God not only preserved the integrity of who He is by being just and opposed to sin, but He also is the justifier. In other words, He's accomplished all that was needed in order to extend to you and to me forgiveness. So God is both the just and the justifier. And you see, when you, when you wrong me, then... It's up to me whether or not, am I going to absorb the pain and extend forgiveness to you, or am I not? Or am I going to make you pay for it? Okay? 
So if I forgive you, I absorb the pain, I extend the hand of renewal to you, but I cannot force you to take it. And you all know this if you've offered forgiveness to someone. You cannot force someone to be forgiven. All you can do is offer it. And they must receive it. You can absorb the pain, you can extend forgiveness, but they must receive it if the relationship is going to be reconciled. If it's going to come together and grow, right? You cannot force anyone to receive your forgiveness. All you can do is offer it. And that's what God has done. He has done all that's necessary to extend to you and to me forgiveness. But He will not force you to take it. And in order to receive His forgiveness, to take it, you have to realize you need it. Right? You have to realize, I need your forgiveness. I have done wrong. I have wronged you. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for your forgiveness in Christ. You have to receive it. You have to be willing to, we use the term, confess your sin. Which simply means, I'm agreeing with God about my sin. I'm agreeing with God that I've done things that are wrong. I have not done what I ought to do. I, I, am, I have fallen short. I have wronged you, God. That's confession. And then it's reaching forward, grabbing God's hand of forgiveness in Christ, believing in Christ, placing your faith in Christ. Because the forgiveness of God only flows through the channel of the cross. There is no other channel. That's it. That is the only way God can forgive you and forgive me. And so the question you need to ask yourself this morning is, have I been forgiven by God? Have I confessed my sin and embraced the hand of Christ? Reached forward in faith and grabbed hold of Him. And said, thank you for your forgiveness in Christ. I want to turn from my sin and turn to you. Have you received God's forgiveness? If you haven't, then I want to encourage you to confess your sin and believe in Christ. You know, come to God and say, you know, God, I'm not what I ought to be. And come to God and know that if you believe in Christ... He will forgive you because he's, given, he's, he's done all that's necessary to extend forgiveness to you. And for those of you who are in Christ, who've already experienced the forgiveness of God, then you have this wonderful opportunity to extend that type of forgiveness to other people. So I want you to think about your response this morning. I want you to think about, you know, is there someone in your life now that needs your forgiveness? Is there someone in your life that you can extend forgiveness to? It's painful. It will cost you something. All forgiveness does. But your relationship will not grow without it. And if we are in Christ, we've experienced the ultimate forgiveness in God. Someone who is perfect, sinless, and yet gave Himself for us so that we can have eternal life with Him. And so now we have that platform to say, you know what? If you've sinned against me, I'm going to absorb the pain and I'm going to extend to you forgiveness. I'm not going to hold it against you. And I'm willing to move forward with you. If you're in Christ, maybe there's someone in your life that, uh, that needs your forgiveness. At least you can extend it to them. You can't force them to take it. But Christ is a good example for you uh, to put you in that position in Christ to be able to extend 
that type of love to someone else. And so what we've seen is there's no other way for God to forgive sin than through Christ, His death on the cross. And it really comes into focus once we realize the gravity of sin, once we realize that forgiveness is costly, and then once we also see that God in Christ has done all that is necessary for you and for me to experience His forgiveness. And that's what the Bible calls the gospel or the good news. That is good. That's good news. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that good news. Thank you that that you have done all that is required to open the door for us to receive your forgiveness and be placed in your family to be the people you want us to be, God. And uh, What a privilege. Lord, help us to see uh, the gravity of sin. Help us to see that forgiveness is costly. But help us not forget that you have absorbed uh, the debt of our sin and you have extended to us forgiveness through the cross of Jesus Christ. And now I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you. I pray that they would experience your forgiveness as they turn from their sin and turn to you. And I pray for us that know you. I pray that we would uh, imitate you, that we would do what you've done, that we would extend forgiveness to those around us, even to our enemies. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.